Well, it's been a good morning, and it's going to continue. Uh, many of you, many of you have met Jovan before. How many of you have heard Jovan speak before? Just a show of hands. Good. Most of the room. Who is it? This is your first time ever hearing Jovan to preach. Raise your hand. And there's a few of you here. That's good. You're in for a treat. Uh, Jovan and I have been friends for uh, coming up on uh, 20 years. Uh, and he's not just a, a friend. He's my, my best friend in the world. And I've learned so much from him in the times that we have spent together, even though I'm older than him. Uh, I've learned from him. Like one of the things Jovan taught me was how to tie my shoes so they never come untied. That is an invaluable life skill. And it was with the shoes that I am wearing right now because they constantly came untied. And about three years ago, he showed me a trick, and they've never come untied since. And they're not double-knotted. It was genius. But on a more important scale, uh, he's taught me what it means to, uh, to truly be a friend. Um, when, uh, when my brother passed away, you know, and uh, Jovan called me. It was never any second thought in his mind. He was still living in Dothan at the time. Uh, and he said, I'm going with you, uh, which meant down to South Florida to kind of close things down for my brother and do a memorial service and all this. He says, I'm going, you know, and he took off time and work and all of that stuff and went with me without, uh, without even a, a second thought, without even a hesitation. And, uh, uh, I remember we, you know, he wept on the phone with me on that day. And uh, I, won't, I won't forget that. Um, we went to grad school together, and uh, uh, that, was, uh, that was a good thing because we uh, needed each other. And now he's still going. He's still going. Uh, by the time he finishes, he's going to be uh, Dr. Jovan Barrington, uh, doctor to ministry. He is still at Lipscomb. They kicked me out. They said, we've had enough, but we'll keep Jovan for a little bit longer. Uh, so he's still going. I think he's got a year or so left of that, and... Uh, He'll be, uh, he'll be uh, Dr. Barrington. Um, he's now in Littleton, Colorado, where he's been for the last three years as the preaching minister at the Littleton Church of Christ. And uh, he's doing an incredible job there. Um, and uh, the people there love him. And I know he's going to he's gonna just do an incredible job today. He's preaching a series there right now called Good News. And he asked me what I thought we would like to hear, and I thought, Good news sounds pretty good to me, because <laughs> we could all use some good news, am I right? Could all use some good news, and so Jovan has brought uh, one of his messages from good news. So if you would, please make very, very welcome my best friend, uh, Jovan Barrington. Well, it's a pleasure being here with you today, church. Um, I love my church, uh, but I just want to tell you, um, you've blessed me this morning. You've blessed me with your praises. Uh, I've been moved by the Spirit of God this morning because of your joy that you expressed to God today. I just love seeing you worship and your worshipful hearts. So uh, I commend you in that. I, I believe that whenever I see evidence of people worshiping God with their hearts, that that means that the Spirit is moving in your life. And so may you hold on to that, and may you see that as something of an encouragement to you. Um, Jason's really kind to me. Uh, I remember Jason being there for me when my mother passed away. Uh, Jason being there for me in the hardships in my life. And one of the reasons I went 
to grad school at Lipscomb was because I knew Jason was going. And I knew we'd get to spend a week together in Nashville, Tennessee. We'd get an Airbnb together. Um, talking about the shoes, it's real easy. I just saw this TED Talk one time, and you don't loop under. You loop over, everybody. You loop over when you do the bunny ears, and that shoe will stay tied. We've been doing it wrong. Let me tell you a funny story about Jason. Uh, whenever we were at our Airbnb, uh, one of the last residencies, I got the flu, everybody. I got the flu. And I couldn't even go to class all week. And I had the flu so bad. I, I was running a fever so bad that I, I came out into the kitchen. I'd been locked up in the room like for a couple days. And I came out in the kitchen and I went to get a glass of water. And, and Jay was in the kitchen with me. And so I, I got the glass of water and I I put it on the counter. Well, I started to feel like the whole room was spinning. And so I lean up on the counter, and I look at Jason, and he's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I don't know. Boom, and I fell out on the floor. I passed out in the middle of the kitchen. And this is how I know that we are best friends. This is how I know that we love each other like brothers. Because when I came to, I looked up, and Jason's standing over me. He's going, really? <laughs> he said, I'm not, I'm not carrying you back to the bedroom. <laughs> he said, are you putting on right now or are you for real? <laughs> I said, how did I get here? <laughs> I crawled back. I, craw I like crawled back to my room. Hey, man, uh, well, I'm going to class, so let me bring you anything, you know. <laughs> so this is how I know. This is how I know we're like brothers because... Because, you know, like somebody who hitting your brother is going to be like, oh, my gosh, are you okay? Oh, you know, Jason's just like, come on, man. Shake it off, rub some dirt on it. You know, I'm not getting sick, so I'm not picking you up. Anyways. <laughs> man, good news is, though, I did get well, <laughs> and I got to go back to class. Um, but, uh, I mean, it, listen, I, I love this message that I want to bring to you today because, I know how life is. You know how life is. Let me give you an example. I performed a wedding this weekend for a dear friend of mine I grew up in the same cul-de-sac with. And, and when I was talking to both of them, Jeff and Allison, Allison said, my fiancé is the strongest person I know. Because you don't know this about Jeff. He's battled colon cancer. He's only 36 years old. Now that cancer is in his liver. But we believe and we're faithful that God's going to heal him. And she has said about her now husband that the way that he has demonstrated his faith in God is a testimony of God's faithfulness to them. And the strength that God has given him to endure that kind of prognosis, that kind of diagnosis, excuse me, that kind of diagnosis is evidence that God is faithful to you. She said, he's the strongest person I know. And you know, around every corner there's bad news, but you also know this to be true, that hope really is sweet and hope really is hope because of the adversity in your life, because of the the troubling times that you experience. And that what's, that's what makes the hope of heaven so beautiful. That's what makes the hope of heaven here on earth so 
splendid. It's because of the bad news. And there's plenty of bad news going on in your life right now. You could probably name a few things. You could probably evidence some things. You could probably name some things in the news. I mean, there's so many things that we read about, and there's so many troubling times happening around us, and we're reminded that there's bad news. But I want to remind you that life can be good, and that life, eternal life, is good. There's good news, and it has appeared in Jesus. Can I get amen this morning? Jesus is good news, and the good news of Jesus is a reminder to all of us who have experienced the good news in our lives, but it's also an invitation for us to grow in relationship with God. See, you've heard the good news. Some of you heard the good news. Many of you heard the good news. Maybe all of you have heard the good news. I've got to ask you, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? So in 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul reminds the reader of the good news and what they chose to do with it, what the Corinth church chose to do with the good news and what they are to keep doing with the good news. So this is where we're going to be. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 8, and I ask you to please stand at the reading of God's word. This is 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 8. The word of God for the people of God. Let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it. Can you all say welcomed it? And then you still stand firm in it. It is this good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you. Unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me that Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. And he was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. And after that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time. And most of them who are still alive, though some have died. And then he was seen by James, and later by all the apostles. And last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. So reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. The word of God for the people of God. Everybody say, Amen. You may be seated. So you ever come to Littleton Church of Christ out in Colorado, you may find me at the main entrance greeting people as they arrive. I mean, I love seeing my church come in. I love just looking out those glass doors and seeing who's arriving that day, but I'm also hoping to see somebody new. I'm hoping to see somebody who is coming for the first time to my congregation. And recently, upon greeting a first-time guest, that I asked them, how did you hear about our church? And they told me that a couple of people told her that we were a welcoming church. Now, that's good news, right? I like hearing that about the people that I get to do life with. That's good news. And so I shared that at our staff meetings because with my staff that I get to serve with at the church and the other ministers and the admins and everybody, uh, we share something in our staff meetings. We talk about what good news have you seen? Where Where have you seen God working? In our church, because if we don't see God working, then what are we here for? You know what I mean? What are we here for? 
And so I shared this story. I said, man, i got to tell you, this, this lady came to our church for the first time, and she told me, I didn't even recognize the two people that she told me. I was like, she told me two names, and I'm just like, I don't know who, the, who that is, but I will take that compliment, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't know who that is, but okay, all right, I believe you. I trust, I trust you, Lord, I trust this is true, right? You know, and uh, she said, uh, these two people told me you are welcome in church, and so when I shared with the staff I, my reply, I said, oh, really, who told you that? And everybody laughed because the intonation of my voice made it sound like I was surprised. You know what I mean? Like, like oh, really? Who told you? You at the wrong church? Like, I mean, I'm not surprised that my congregation is welcoming, but I was pleasantly surprised at her joyful response to our church. And it confirms something that I wish to communicate to all of you, that as a preacher, I'm quick to tell you what to do with the good news. Like, I'm quick to tell you to believe it and to share it but I want us to back up a bit, okay? I want us to back up, and before you do anything with the good news, I want you to first welcome it. I want you to welcome the good news. So we're going to take a pause, and we're going to say we're going to welcome it. See, Paul says in verse 1, he says, Let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news that I preached to you before, and you what? welcomed it. And Luke, the gospel writer, tells a story about a a sweet little man that uh, couldn't see Jesus. Maybe you've heard of him before. His name is Zacchaeus, right? He chose to welcome the good news. In Luke chapter 19, it says, Then Jesus entered and walked through Jericho, and there was a man there, and his name was Zacchaeus, and he was the head tax man, and he was quite rich. And He wanted desperately to see Jesus. Can y'all say desperately? But the crowd was in his way. He was too short. And so he had to climb up on a sycamore tree so he could see Jesus as Jesus came by. And when Jesus got to the tree, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, hurry down from there. He said, today is my day to be a guest in your home. And so Zacchaeus scrambled out of the tree, and he hardly believed his good luck this day, and He delighted to take Jesus home. Can y'all say delighted? He said, I'm going to take Jesus home with me. So everybody saw what was going on, and they were indignant, and they they were grumped by it. They were like, how dare Jesus? What business does he have to cozy up with this crooked man? And so Zacchaeus, he's standing there overwhelmed, stunned. He's surprised by all the events, and so he starts stammering apologetically. He's like, Master, I, I, I. I give, up, I give up half my income to the poor, and if I'm caught cheating, then I'll pay four times the damages. Jesus said to him, today is salvation day in this home. Here he is. Look, everybody. Here he is, Zacchaeus. Take a look. This tax man, this crooked thief, this traitor against your people. He works for Rome, everybody. I know he's lined his pockets with tax money, and he's overcharged you, I know, but look at this man. He is a son of Abraham. He's a son of Abraham. That's a big proclamation. That means he's an inheritor of God's good news. This guy who wasn't accepted by the religious community, this guy who wasn't accepted by his own people, This guy who some had said probably had some guards around that tax booth just for his own safety and security, Jesus says, Jesus says, here is a son of Abraham, the father of faith. 
hearing his son, and then Jesus gives his mission. He says, for the Son of Man came to find and restore the lost. Some of y'all know it as seek and save the lost. I got to ask you this. What are you looking for in life? Really, what are you looking for? What do you see? What are you pursuing? Is it good news? Or is it bad news? Listen, you know how it is that if you're on social media, if you're on Facebook, or if you're on Twitter, uh, those companies know that the best way uh, to keep you engaged in hooked is moral outrage. Uh, they want you hooked on it, and they want to give you uh, bad news so that you'll share it. And also on the media and the television, you know this to be true. Why do you watch the news oftentimes and see what, what bad is happening in our country, in the world? What bad is happening in this place? And so we can, in this nation or in our lives, uh, consider that. When bad news is what's surrounding you, then your heart may be drawn to bad news. You know what I'm saying? You know, why does the Word of God warn people when they don't have enough to do not to be busybodies? Don't just go around gossiping. Why? Or don't just stand around the cooler talking about everybody in the office place. You know what I'm talking about? You know, why do people want to do that? Because we're drawn to it. And I'm telling you, if your eyes are just seeking all that's bad, then that's where your heart is drawn to, and you can become a negative person, a down person. But why is it that you, maybe you're that person in the office place, or maybe you're that person in the home, maybe you're that person in the church where everybody comes to you with the gossip and the bad news. Why is that? You've got to ask yourself, why am I the one that everybody comes to? It may be because that's where your heart is drawn to. Come on. Come on now. Look at your own life and think about this. Only, only drawn to bad news. See, Zacchaeus was looking for good news. Zacchaeus was looking for good news. Like he wanted desperately to see the good news. And he delighted to take the good news home with him. See, he climbed up a tree to see the good news. And you know what? Something unexpected happened when he chose to look for the good news that he discovered the good news was looking for him. The good news was looking up in the tree saying, come on now, today, today is my day to be a guest in your home, Zacchaeus. Today is the day of salvation, see? And today is the day that Jesus wants to be a guest in your home. Look, sometimes in our life when bad news comes, we shut the door to Jesus, everybody. We retreat in our homes. We retreat in our quiet place. We go to our secret place, and instead of finding God there, we're just looking to find something else, but God says, I'll meet you in that place. Salvation can be in your home. And so Jesus called Zacchaeus. And the good news for you today is that Jesus is calling you. Jesus is calling you. See, Jesus is seeking to restore his people that are lost. Are you open to his calling? In Revelation 3.20, Jesus says, here I am. I stand at the door and I knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person, and they with me. Welcome the good news. See, to welcome the good news, to welcome Jesus means that you open the door to him. 
He's standing at the door, and he's knocking. When you welcome Jesus, you set a place at your dinner table for him. You set out the dinnerware and the silverware. I was uh, with my sister, and we were talking to our neighbor, and he was talking about how he met his wife. And when they were courting, he knew she was the one because uh, they, they married late in life. And uh, he knew she was the one because when he went over to eat at her home, that uh, she brought out the gold silverware. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. And he said, oh, I know, that, I know this is the one I'm to marry because she brought out the finest silverware for me. Like, 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 this is the real deal, you know. Like, you welcome somebody, you bring out the finest silverware for them and you leave the light on for them and you prepare the guest room for them and you're ready to host them. You're ready to host Jesus because you've been looking for Jesus and Jesus has been searching for you. Will you welcome the good news into your house today? Will you welcome the good news into your life? See, Jesus is outside the door of your heart. He's outside the door of your life and he's knocking. He says, welcome me. Won't you welcome me in. Let him inside, sit with him, eat with him, and you will not be left the same. And Paul reminds the Corinth church that they at one time welcomed the good news in their lives, that they welcomed the news of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And he reminds them that they allowed the resurrected Jesus to come in their homes. They allowed the resurrected Jesus to come in their hearts. They allowed the resurrected Jesus to enter into their space, and their lives have never been the same. They have been changed. See, the church at Corinth, they experienced the resurrected Jesus, and they would experience their own bodily resurrection one day. But see, what happens in this church, and what can happen in many churches, or happen in many people's lives, is that somebody comes in with this kind of silly anti-resurrection speech, because they put their hope in something else in this world. They put their hope in the material possessions of this world, where Jesus says when that seed lands amongst those weeds, that they choke up the seed that God has placed in that person's heart. The wealth and the worries of this world do that. So Paul says to the people, he says, you've been granted this good news. And that the hope that you have is that one day you will have this bodily resurrection. But some people were coming to the church saying, no, it's not going to be like that. There's not going to be a bodily resurrection. You shouldn't believe in such phony talk. But Paul's saying, they're the phony ones. They're the foolish ones because... Christ is the first fruits of that bodily resurrection. If you don't believe in a bodily resurrection, you don't believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. That's what Paul's getting at here in 1 Corinthians 15. The whole chapter, you can read through it. The last enemy to be defeated is death. And when death's defeated, all of us will rise up in Christ and we'll be with our Lord. We'll meet him in the sky. The trumpet sound. The trumpet will sound and we'll all meet him in the skies. You've sung that song before, right? We will be with Christ, a bodily resurrection with him so paul says you've received this you've received mercy you're receiving transformation you're receiving the forgiveness of god you've been restored as a child of god you are sons and daughters of abraham because of what christ has done and if christ hasn't risen from the dead then everything that we're doing is meaningless it's futile it doesn't matter it doesn't mean anything right now 
But we gather together and we remember Christ in the communion. We gather together. We sing about Christ because he is the man Christ. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. He's no longer in the grave. Can I get an amen? Christ has risen and Christ will come again. And I believe, I believe, I believe that anybody who comes to Cornerstone and experiences a welcoming church is because you First, welcome Jesus. Thomasville doesn't need another friendly church. Can I just be honest with you? Thomasville does not need another friendly church. They need a welcoming church. Because a friendly church just only welcomes the people they know. Like a friendly church just likes hanging out with the people they know. Like, like they're interested in seeing only the church. They're interested in seeing only their friends. Uh, But a welcoming church, a welcoming church is waiting expectantly for somebody to be knocking on the door and you're opening the door for them. He's like, come on in, we got a seat for you. Because we know Jesus here. And Jesus is the most welcoming person I know. That's why communion is the most beautiful picture of heaven. Because everybody's taking bread and everybody's drinking the cup together. And it doesn't matter where you come from, it doesn't matter what you've done, it doesn't matter what your ideas are, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because you're sharing a meal together. And you know why it's the most welcoming meal? Because Jesus is the host of the meal. Jesus sits at the head of communion, everybody, and he's the most welcoming person that I know, the most inclusive person that you know, Jesus is. So you don't need to be a friendly church, okay? You need to be a welcoming church. And, and I know that God's people are the most welcoming people on the planet. They are. And when people meet you, they're going to meet Jesus in you. See, because Jesus' followers are the most hospitable people. The best hosts host the good news. Can I get an amen? Come on now. The best hosts host the good news. What we do is what we see Jesus do. That he comes to eat with us. He's at the head of the table because one day we're going to be at that banquet table, right? We're going to be at that banquet table of the Lord. And we're going to sit with God. And even Jesus will be there serving us. I believe that's the picture of heaven. Even when we get there, Jesus is still going to be serving us. Hey, you got something to drink? You want some sweet tea? Can I tell you, I live in Colorado, and when you ask for sweet tea, it's not sweet tea. <laughs> it's not. It's not. Man, I just hope, like, when I get there, I'll be like, you want country fried steak with white gravy? You want mashed potatoes with brown, brown gravy? You want some turnip greens? You want some collard greens? Uh, you want some rutabagas? You want some field peas? Oh, my God. Can I say God here? Oh, my God. <sighs> when I got here, let me tell you, I went to this Zach's Family Restaurant in Dothan, Alabama. I had to go to a, like, meat and sides place. You know what I'm talking about? Because, like, in Colorado, they, like, try and get fancy with their food. Like, our biscuits have rosemary in them. And I'm like, <laughs> stop it. <laughs> Just stop. Our macaroni and cheese has green chili in it. Stop. You don't need to reinvent macaroni and cheese. Macaroni and cheese is macaroni and cheese. Biscuits are biscuits. Stop playing around with food we know is good. 
So I came here. I've been eating so much, I got to tell you. Oh, my word. I was like, Jess was like, why do you like them baked beans so much? These baked beans are so good. Like, she's like, they're just baked beans. I, I, I don't know. They're like, they're like Alabama baked beans. <laughs> People ask me all the time, they're like, what do you miss about being in the South? The food. <laughs> I just, you know, I might take that bag of grits home with me. I mean, I just, <laughs> listen, my kids are for real. They're like, man, Daddy, we used to have cheese grits for breakfast all the time. I was like, yeah, I know we can't find them here. I mean, it's just like. You know, it's like grits is not a thing. I think it's like in the international section of food. <laughs> like, where are you going? The South? You got to have a passport to get there? All right, listen. <laughs> man, I'm telling you, though, I just know that Jesus, man, Jesus is going to be preparing us a banquet feast when we get to be with him. Come on, good and faithful servant. We've been waiting for you. I've been waiting for you. Listen, maybe in your life you have welcomed the good news at some point in your life, but under a set of circumstances, right now, you've closed your heart off to the good news. You've retreated inside yourself. You know, as Drake says, you're all up in your feelings. <laughs> you've retreated inside yourself, but, but Jesus, here's the thing about Jesus. It's the same thing that I experienced when I was in college, when Jesus found me. So he just wouldn't leave me alone. <laughs> Come on now. You think that parable he told about that widow that was just knocking on that person's door for some bread was, that parable was talking about him. And he's waiting for somebody to be hospitable to him. Because when somebody is hospitable to him, he knows this person is open to receive what I have for them. You know, sometimes you think that you just have to give Jesus some things. And then, then you'll be loyal. Jesus will be loyal to you. No, it's not about Jesus being loyal to you. Jesus wants you to open the door to him so that you'll be loyal to him. Because he's already faithful to you. He's already faithful to you. And even when you lack the faith, Jesus has faith for you. Even when your faith fails you, Jesus comes in and gives you an extra measure of faith. So maybe you shut the door on him, or maybe you're in this place and you've never really been open to him. Like you've just opened your door just enough. Maybe you still got the chain on the door, you know what I'm saying? Like Jesus is some solicitor, somebody to take care of your lawn. Or somebody to give you new windows or siding. But no. No, Jesus isn't a salesman. Mm -mm. He ain't selling anything. He's offering you something substantial. He's offering you. He's offering you forgiveness. He's offering you love. He's offering you peace. He's offering you joy. He's offering you restoration. He's offering you healing. You just open the door to him and let him in. Let him in. And maybe some of us have been unable to see his light. Because even now, it's hard for us to open up our eyes to the light. We're kind of squinting. We've been in the darkness so long. And the light of the gospel seems so bright. And you're having difficulty seeing him in order to open the door and receive him. But 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 4 and 6 says this. That the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. 
so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God displayed in the face of Christ. So open your eyes. God gives you the ability to hear him and open your eyes to see the face of Christ, the light of the gospel that displays the glory of God. Do you see him? See, Paul says that, that, that Jesus appeared to Peter and the 12 and to the 500 followers at one time and James and all the apostles and lastly appeared to Paul on the road to Damascus. And Paul says, lastly, but it's not lastly, everybody, because Jesus appears to you now. Jesus hadn't stopped appearing to people. When he ascended to heaven, he didn't stop. He comes now, even in this moment, even in your life right now. And he says, I stand before you. I'm outside the door. I'm knocking. Will you welcome the good news in your life?